When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Tuesday, November 30th. We are a little over a day before the current CBA expires and we enter into a lockout period. And the Cubs did some stuff today. It's not going to be the stuff that you guys are particularly excited about, but we'll talk about that. And we wanted to at least touch base today with one more day to go and then probably get back with you tomorrow night if the Cubs either do something or nothing and kind of discuss that. And if there is officially the lockout period, we'll discuss what all that means and and stuff like that. But Brendan, uh, we're here today. This might be a shorter episode just to sort of recap the the few things that have gone on. But uh, how are you feeling out there in Cubland? Little, little on ice, yeah. I guess you can say, Corey. Just a little bit, right? Like we still have another day where presumably free agents will sign before that lockout. So there's still moves to be made. It's too early to freak out. But I understand and I share to some degree some of the um, I guess online hostility with missing Gray and Mats and uh, Gossman. So I, Robbie Ray, I get it, but let's see what happens, Corey. Potential interesting names are now gone. Corey Seager is off the market to Texas. Marcus Semyon also to Texas. Robbie Ray, Max Scherzer, Kevin Gossman, Starling Marte. Uh, one Javier Baez, who you guys might be mm. familiar with, heading to Detroit off the market. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, Brendan, John Gray, Stephen Matz, guys that were maybe particular targets for the Cubs off the market. Uh, and I think, you know, when you look at today, the, the Cubs signing uh backup catcher Jan Gomes and Clint Frazier, who was let go by the Yankees. So we'll talk about those moves in a moment here. But I think the the first thing to get into, Brendan, like you mentioned, is the lack of any bigger activity. And, you know, when you talk about the hostility, at least for me, right, I'm a big preacher. I think you guys hear this at mo- on most of the episodes of judging the offseason in its totality, right? And it's not over yet. There's a lot of free agents still left. There's a lot of potential trades maybe to make. So yes, like, let's see what happens. We'll judge it when it's done. And, and we can kind of look back and put it all together. But I think in the interim, what is super frustrating is that we all went into this offseason, I think, at least you and I did, and most of the people that I read and and talk to, went into this with measured expectations, right? Like, we only talked about Corey Seager because he popped up in a couple of, like, random reports, but I don't think you or I ever believed that was going to happen. We just wanted it to happen, right? We took the the words from the front office 
um, of intelligence spending, you know, a year away or whatever it was, like to to heart. And we were like, okay, fine, but just give us like a competitive team. You have no money on the payroll. Like just give us a fun summer, like an interesting team that maybe if they hit on a bunch of things, they could be interesting and fun, right? And we're like well below even that low bar right now. They're They're just like doing nothing. And I think that's what's really frustrating. So it's kind of that balance between like, yeah, there's a lot of time left. There are some interesting names. You can totally see a path to like a more interesting team, but you're not seeing it. And so I sort of get everybody's kind of antsiness given that we weren't really holding out for much anyway. And we're still, at least to this point, being let down. If the Cubs opt to sign a different pitcher, let's say, you know, it's Rodon, or let's say they do give money out for Strowman, then this conversation is is different. Mm-hmm. So from my point of view, where I'm at right now is I can see why you would not want to sign some of these pitchers. I can, I can see it with Gray. There's valid concerns about his fastball, right? So whether you want to say, oh, well, course had an effect, that's still an uncertainty where the underlying peripherals do suggest that that fastball needs a lot of work. Do you want to give out $56 million to try to fix that? Or do you want to go out and give a smaller deal to Carlos Rodon? Or do you want to instead go out and give more money to more certainty for Marcus Stroman? So those are the conversations that that we will have in the next week or so, probably tomorrow. But for now, I'm not going to be upset about like missing out on on Gray or missing out on Matt. I would have liked them, right? Like I, sure. I would get excited over any pitching signing at this point. But there are limitations to all of these signings, and you can see why it might make more sense for the Cubs to opt elsewhere. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now, Corey. It's it, it is when yeah. you, when you when you see these guys come off the board. Of course, you want to hear more like activity with the Cubs names in a lot of these tweets and reports and they're not there so i understand it right but i can see other guys that make more sense for this team that still give them a good chance of being competitive i i think you and i are in in the same spot i'm i'm not necessarily like freaking out yet i i do believe that there's a lot of runway left it just again is you know kind of like you're you 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 weren't even asking them like we really all should be asking them to spend as much money as humanly possible and just be putting a juggernaut on the field every year, right? Like you guys know, we don't have to reiterate this all the time, how we feel about ownership and uh, the lack of spending at times and things like that. But we're already kind of like giving them the leeway of like, okay, well, we're operating in reality. They're not going to do that. Uh, The ownership doesn't want to do that. So can we at least get to a decent and competitive team in the NL Central with the restrictions that seem to be in place? And so I think the frustration is that, you know, you're sort of sold a lesser bill of goods than you even wanted in the first place. And now you have people getting scared that we're not even going to get that, right? So I, I get it, right? Like, you know, you watch the Texas Rangers and like, Brendan, like, obviously, like, you look at these huge deals, I mean, 10-year deals um, with huge amounts of money, and you can definitely look at them and go, yeah, the back end of that deal might be bad, or what their payroll is going to be in blah, blah, blah years, but, like, not my money, right? I'd rather be the team with a bunch of good players on the team and hoping that our owners who make a ton of money 
deal with it and figure it out, right? Like, but that's not where we are, and so we kind of have to just go with it, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Listen, we'll see what happens. Um, we've made this team has made deals in the past in the same tier as Gray. It hasn't worked out on the surface. It made sense at the time. The Edwin Jackson deals, the Tyler Chatwood deals, uh, all the bullpen deals we made, Brandon Morrow, all those guys. Like we, we have been in that discussion before. And when those deals are made, given the circumstances, which are different then compared to now, but those deals had negative consequences for this team and the ability to go out and improve the team as uh, as a result of those past deals. So again, not to harp too much on like the specifics of the John Gray miss or the Stephen Matz miss, but there the discussions are real of why that signing does not make sense. And so it's not a certainty. And if you can come to a greater chance of being certain, then you have to make that move. Now, if they don't sign anyone else, if you don't get a different pitcher and you do miss out on those deals, yeah, then you know what? We we do have a problem. But let's see what let's see what happens first. Yeah, and I think uh, another part of, you know, sort of the growing frustration amongst the fan base is, you know, you look at something like Gray or even Matt's and it just they, they, they just seem to check the boxes of what Jed said he was looking for, what he said this rotation needed. You know, that I'm being, not sure Gray does though. Like that's <laughs> Well, I mean, I think I mean he he may be somewhat of a project, but he brings at least more velo than most of the guys that you have the potential to be a more uh, whiff dominant pitcher rather than the weak contact types that the Cubs already have. And you're working with a rotation where you've got some pretty major holes. So you're going to need bodies in there at some point, even if you're not expecting them to be yeah. excellent, you know, right out the gate or whatever. I What I was getting at, though, is that just those options are, are dwindling right? Like Jed made exactly. it pretty clear yeah. that you want to add power arms. You want to differentiate from the profile of guys like Kyle Hendricks and newly acquired Wade Miley. And, you know, sort of each day, right? We're like watching those options just sort of tick off the board. And you, you're kind of left with a like, okay, like, you know, you said this, man, like this was what you said you needed to add to the rotation. Like, where are you going to get it? Um, and there's still options for that. Yes. And, and I hope that, you know, that's ultimately how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's too early to be, you know, freaking out about it, but I, I understand it. The other moves they made though are still interesting. At least they're going out and spending, you know, some degree of money and shoring up some of the weaknesses. So it's not as if they're standing on the sidelines completely at this point. Well, not completely, but, uh, they're near the sideline. Yeah. Um, well, let's, yeah, look, so again, I, like, conclusion-wise, like, I think Brendan and I are in the same place. It, it maybe sounds like I'm uh, more pessimistic than Brendan is. I, I think we're generally in the same spot, and it's really, we just got to wait and see. Um, there will be plenty, like, as I said, I think when the move happened, like if Wade Miley and Jan Gomes are your big moves, we'll have a problem and you guys will definitely hear about it from us uh, with a lot more colorful language. But, you know, at this time, like there's just some runway left here and, you know, the CBA may change some things and we'll have a different look at things when that happens. But for now, let's take a look at what they did do. Uh, and one of those things was signing Jan Gomes to a two-year contract uh, for about six and a half million. 
per year. And, you know, this was an interesting one to watch the reaction for on social media and just around the thing. But I, I think, Brendan, in a vacuum, this is a solid move. And there's obviously implications with regard to Wilson Contreras, who only has a year left, uh, is, you know, reportedly not in the middle of an extension talk, which makes sense because I would assume they would wait to see what the new CBA has to say about things before they would do that. Um, Obviously, there's potential ramifications there, right? Wilson's been in trade rumors for two or three years now. So, of course, when you're paying anything to a backup catcher or a new catcher, it raises an eyebrow, right? Um, But, and I I think you might have been like the leader of this particular issue last year, Brendan, but they desperately needed a backup catcher. And it makes Wilson better if they are indeed both on the team to not be catching so many games. We would look at those stats of pitches caught, like innings caught, and Wilson Contreras was miles ahead of the catchers in second or third place. And you could see that it was taking a toll on him physically. And so I think a lot of people's first reaction was, ooh, that's a lot to pay for a backup catcher. It must mean Wilson's getting traded. Maybe it does. But I, in a vacuum, like they needed to upgrade that backup catcher role. I think at points last year, the, the backup catcher role from different guys had combined for a negative win above replacement total. Like that's how bad that position was behind Wilson. They needed to do this. So ramifications or not, this is a solid move. For only $6.5 million per year, it's an incredibly solid move. Wilson needs the support, man. And once we get out of this uh, lockout, we could have a DH. So just because you do sign Gomes does not mean you take at-bats away from Wilson. Um, and he did suffer from it the stats over not just 2021 but you know dating back to 2018 and 2019 and these injuries they the the innings load had taken an effect so with Gomes what do you get you get someone who has uh, an encouraging offensive profile especially as a backup last year 375 plate appearances, very large sample size for a catcher, an expected weight on the base average of 341. In the COVID shortened season, 332, um, three, sorry, 335 expected weight on base average. All of this coming when he's made improvements in his contact rate, about a five percentage point increase in contact over the last three years. So you're getting potentially a league average offensive player and compared to the rest of the catchers an above average offensive catcher. So that that's a that's a great deal Corey. And unfortunately the team has other holes and it's hard to see that at this current point but the catcher position last year was an absolute mess, dude. Tony Walters uh I mean, we have what, like seven guys catch PJ Higgins, Romine had his issues. It's it was a mess. And it does really create... until they found Chirinos, did it not even Yeah, it wasn't even close to playable. Yeah. Yeah. So once we get past this lockout, and if there's a DH, that even adds to my mind more value to this contract because then you can play Gomes more spread out your value and you might have a better dh as a result so for six and a half million dollars for two years 
It's a no-brainer. Gomes was not even on my radar until we actually signed him. So this is a great signing, Corey. And, you know, for what it's worth, there was a piece in The Athletic about this process, and they talked about how it was pitched to Gomes. And I think, you know, this is worth noting. Now, obviously, things can change. uh, But, you know, what the front office pitched to Gomes was that he would be kind of in somewhat of a hybrid role that would be designed to help Wilson Contreras stay fresh. Basically, like catching some games, maybe if there's a DH, he could be out there, or Wilson could DH, and he would be back at catcher. So just for what it's worth right now, Gomes was pitched on the idea of his role being a sort of supplementary one to Contreras. Like, it's not like the Cubs told him, like, yeah, we're trading Contreras. You're going to start 150 games. Like, what they told him was, we need help to keep our, you know, star catcher fresh. And that's the role that you're going to be helping us occupy by moving around or him moving around and you being there to fill in for him when necessary. So I, I think that's worth noting. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, expectations that what does this mean for Wilson's future because you do sign him and because of those quotes about maybe him getting a substantial amount of playing time doesn't have much bearing, I think, on on Wilson. Of course, maybe if a deal comes up where trading Wilson makes sense for this team because you have Gomes, sure, maybe they're more likely to make that deal. But having both these guys on the roster and the ability to play both in some cases is an advantage. I'm I'm honestly curious to see what effect this has on a full season of Wilson. In 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 an ironic way, I know he's been a little weird on social media at times, but in an ironic way, this actually may boost his value because you're going to be more rested. Your quality of the at-bats are going to increase. Your offense may go up. Everything may go up. You may get more money out of it. In the interim, before we know that, like the position was a mess. And you can look over the course, as you said, Brendan, of of several years where the kind of wear down of Wilson is pretty like visible. It's like a tangible thing that you can see where he just is catching too much. He's playing too much. And especially for a guy that plays with the energy and passion that he does on a daily basis, like it takes a toll. And when you're being asked to cover for the fact that your team doesn't have a legitimate major league backup, it becomes somewhat of a problem. So I think yeah. this is a good way to address that. Uh, if you're looking to put a competitive team on the field in 2022, this is what you do. This is part of that process. This was one of, there's a lot of boxes and a lot of them remain unchecked right? But this was one of them, and it is checked for now. Yeah. Comparing Wilson's numbers to Gomes last year, Wilson was above average offensively. He had a WRC plus of 109. His expected weight on base average was 346. It's basically identical to Jan Gomes. So if Gomes plays more, maybe Wilson's numbers, it goes from a 109 WRC plus to like a 125, 130. That's all possible given some of his short spurts of offense that typically precedes an injury and then coming off those injuries, the numbers start to dip. Um, That's what we've seen pretty much every single time he's hurt his hamstring. So uh, I'm encouraged about it. I think... um, I, I think it's an underrated move. I wish it got more attention, but I understand why it hasn't. 
Yeah. So getting into what else happened, uh, the Cubs bringing in Clint Frazier on a major league deal. He was once a top prospect in the Yankees system, uh, a fifth overall pick in the 2013 MLB draft by those New York Yankees. And you know, up and down career has had some injuries. Uh, a lot of people have speculated that, you know, the environment in New York, A, the, you know, very uh, high expectations that they've had, or, you know, through the time that Clint would have been there starting in 2017, in addition to the very, like, professional nature of things. I, you know, I saw some posts going around that, you know, when he was a prospect, he had very long, like flowing hair. And of course that does not play in New York, no beards, no hair, right? You guys know the deal. Uh, if you don't, that is real. I know sometimes like when you say that, I, I wonder if people think like, what are they talking about? Uh, <laughs> you cannot have a beard or like long hair and stuff like that. If you are a New York Yankee, that is a real thing. And, you know, some people just speculated that perhaps a change of scenery would be good for one Clint Frazier. So that change of scenery uh, will come in the form of the Chicago Cubs. So he adds, Brendan, to a very crowded outfield market that we talked about last week when we were talking about uh, the Ramirez edition from Cleveland. And the Cubs do make the decision, the two non-tenders for the Cubs today, reliever Jason Adam and Michael Hermosillo, uh, I liked Hermosillo. I liked what we saw from him. Obviously, didn't get a full shake, uh, but the Cubs, you know, they got to look at him, and they they've made their decision here to look at Ramirez and now yeah. Clint Frazier. Uh, but it adds to you know sort of a very crowded group of outfielders that you're not like super confident in, but there's plenty of interesting stuff in terms of potential in there. I think you still need more, though. Like getting well, Frazier yeah, add, yeah. Well, I'm just making that clear. But adding, adding to that group, what Brendan? You don't think that Clint <laughs> Frazier, Ian Happ, and Jason Hayward is going to be the starting outfield for a World you Series never, team? Hey, hey, bite your tongue. You never know what happens. Um, but with with Frazier, if you compare him to Hermosillo, I understand where the the thinking comes from with Hermosillo. I was interested in those changes. We heard all about those mechanical changes that led to success in AAA. I wanted to see more of that. Plus, the story, his background seemed exciting. Big Sammy Sosa fan, Cubs fan growing up. It seemed fun. So in that sense, I'm disappointed he's gone. For Frazier, there is intrigue there. Uh, The biggest factor for me with Frazier is that his discipline is really good. His chase rate or swinging at pitches outside the zone has been among the best in Major League Baseball, 99th percentile. So I like that. So the reasons he has not been successful, there there are many, but contact rate, not good. Um, that's really got him into trouble at times. He's been homer dependent on his value, which can be a good thing if you make more contact on pitches on the edge. Really bad among the worst in Major League Baseball. And this one's surprising. I thought he was, uh, and he is a good athlete, but you just think that athleticism sometimes translates to defensive value. It's kind of hit or miss for him. 2019, bottom tier, bottom 5% in uh uh, outs above average. 2020, about league average in right field. And then 2021, he was dead last in outs above average. So I don't know what's going on. If that's a Yankee Stadium type thing, a positioning type thing. Um, I honestly don't know. But I just was surprised that his defense doesn't appear to match that type of like athleticism that you typically see when you watch him play. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I really have anything to add. I mean, I think in a year where e- even if you do make some more significant moves, which, again, we're all holding out a de- desperate hope for, um, these are the types of moves you want to be taking in, in, a, in a, a situation where you're not all in. You, you, you figure to have some roster spots like you did last year at times to try some guys out, to give them an opportunity to you know, work on things, reclaim their career, whatever it is. And I think this is one of those guys you really want to take a shot on. If it works, you'd have him for a couple more years. And, you know, do you expect him to play up to the potential of someone who was drafted fifth overall eight years ago? You know, maybe not, right? That's that's obviously a high ceiling to get back toward. And when you go through injuries and trials and tribulations in your career, it, it's tough to, you know, sort of get back to that peak potential. But again, you know, this is someone who was a very, very highly touted prospect, very well-regarded prospect. And if you can kind of make some tweaks, figure some stuff out there, like you'd have a potentially impactful bat in there. And if you're not going all in, even if you're just trying to be competitive or whatever their, you know, company line is now, these are the types of moves that the Cubs should be making. He's got an option. Like you might as well be the team to see if you can figure it out. You, I can see how fans would be like upset about that though. It's like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. You can see it working out. When sure. you know, Starling Marte yeah. gets signed for a not crazy expensive deal, around eighty million dollars, but you can see why fans would be upset about that, especially when the Cubs do have about eighty million or so to spend. Right, I understand it. I'm not thrilled about it either. But it, taking that away, looking at Frazier, the individual player, you can see it working out. Um, it's not going to be working out in the platoon type role, though. His splits. From a lefty-righty perspective, surprisingly about the same in his career. Even against righties, he's slightly better in terms of Woba, about five points better against right-handers. So I don't really see him as like a potential Hayward uh, platoon-type scenario. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to play, he he's going to play against right-handed batters and left-handed or right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers. Um It's not going to be a platoon situation. Yeah, and another guy who, you know, potentially, especially with the way the defensive metrics look at him, if the DH is in place, you know, that's another way to get guys in the lineup on a, you know, more regular basis, move guys around, get different guys in there. So that's something we'll have to wait and see what comes of these CBA negotiations, which were apparently ongoing uh, pretty recently. We're recording this at about 9.20-ish in Chicago, and, you know, all throughout the day we've been getting updates on that. So we will see where that goes. I don't expect them to solve this by tomorrow. I expect that we'll enter a lockout, but hopefully they've at least made some progress. Um yeah, so I think that's that's what we got. I mean, at this point, like, we generally, other than, you know, uh, like at times telling people not to be mean to Chris Bryant or things like that and, like, <laughs> over, you know, take take that for granted, we don't usually tell you guys how to fan, right? You can do whatever you want. Um, I Like, Brendan and I don't necessarily fan the exact same way. I have f- friends that are, are different kinds of fans, so... I, and I'm not going to do that now. Well, you I, think we're different? I think we're pretty similar. I think we're pretty similar, but not exactly yeah. the same. Um, In what ways? I, I just mean, like, if you're really frustrated, like, be really frustrated. I have no issue with that. If you're optimistic still, if you're looking at Carlos Correa rumors and holding out hope that that happens, like, you know, 
all the power to you, right? Like whatever you want to do. Um, we all have different, you know, investments emotionally, financially, mentally, etc. in sports, in this team. And so, you know, yeah, I, I think you can kind of feel however you want to feel. I, I, again, like I feel compelled to just reiterate, like if it were up to Brendan and I, we'd be writing checks on behalf of Tom Ricketts and not worried about the long-term value of the contract or anything like that. Like the concern would be this team winning and winning at all costs. And Mm -hmm. as you all know, like the fan experience at Wrigley Field is the most expensive. Their tickets are some of the most expensive. So that's how it should be. Alas, that's not the reality we live in. So we have to talk about Clint Frazier and analyze that as a rational transaction because that's what the Cubs did you know and I don't think you guys would get a lot of enjoyment out of us just complaining about you know the the ticket prices for an hour an episode or something like that it's just not practical it's not how they're operating so it is what it is on on that note too like you know most of the time your team's not going to be good like among the best teams that's just that's just how it is uh like the online discussions i gotta say they're like overwhelming um at times like the the ultra negativity and like there's the same type of things being said like ricketts is not spending money this they're doing this again blah 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 and i understand where that comes from but you still have 26 other guys you can follow and watch and you still have a minor league system that's becoming pretty good pretty robust a lot of changes going on and baseball is extends beyond your one year competitive outlook right so i don't know i don't know why i say that it's just like when you, well, I when think you, you're, when I you think log you're, on and you see the I same think you're thing operating in what i just said right like i obviously you wish that they were spending money and winning all the time but they're not doing that right now so what else are you going to yeah. do Right. Right. I mean, like, you yeah, can it's, wallow it's, in despair if you want. Totally. Go for it. Like, you're, it's right, within yeah. your right and you're not really wrong. Right. But, like, you're, you're, you know, you're not wrong. But for it, some people, it's just like settling in for a season of Brendan Davis at, at AAA and waiting for him to come up, that's more entertaining than freaking out about what's going on with Jed Hoyer. Right. And you're not really yeah. wrong either way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that comes off as, as uh, effective or whatnot, but like, I don't know, like, like, you have so many other levels within this system, right? And you don't know when you're going to be competitive. So, well, I think, I think part of the the issue, Brennan, and I think where people can't really do that is then they're going to look back at some of the more recent years and you know the uh, lack of kind of like put them over the top spending, right? And it's tough to get over that frustration. Yeah, I listen. I I under I understand it. It's 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 becoming obs, obsessive, obsessively consistent. Like the outlook, sure. right? It's not it's not fair to some of these other guys to be, I guess, to be overlooked, right? Like having if if they if we record by the end of tomorrow night and they make no signings, you and I will be upset, right? But next week we're going to be talking about seven other players doesn't mean that we like it but it just by this time tomorrow right like like what are your expectations like deep down do you just think they're not going to do anything because it kind of like that's like i think they're going to do one or two signings but i think the general consensus will be disappointment i just get the sense that they're not going to do anything until the cba is ironed out for you know reasons that they have internally some of which make sense some of which you know are sort of just ways to 
be cheap or, you know, because they don't feel like this is a year that's, that's worth, uh, truly going for. Um, but you know, really the fascinating thing for me is we just saw that the attendance sort of dwindled down last year when there, when the sell-off happened and the team was no longer making an effort toward being competitive. And, you know, that was in a year where not right away because of COVID, but early on, like you could buy tickets, right? Like as, as the season was going on and people wanted to get back to going to baseball games and stuff like that. Like, if you roll into this season with no expectation of them being interesting or competitive, like, I don't know, man, like that stadium was pretty empty for some of those games toward the end of last year, really most of that second half, like it, you know, sort of slowly went from like 35,000 a game to 30,000 a game. And, you know, I was at games where it was definitely under 20,000 people. Um, and the weather isn't great in Chicago all the time, right? So like, they got to do something, right, to get people in that ballpark to sell jerseys and to, like, give them any, even a mirage of, like, yeah, this is why you're coming out to the ballpark, right? Or maybe they don't I don't care. know. I, I don't know. I don't know if that affects <laughs> their bottom line or not. All I'm saying is we saw that the notion that 40,000 Cub fans are going to blindly show up no matter what, no way, right? It's not true. We yeah. literally just I, saw that. And this— at times last year, you had the promise of like seeing Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and stuff like that. Like that is not the case right now. So I, I'm just not I, really sure from like their perspective, like what they're what they're expecting in terms of the fan reaction to all of this. I don't understand it. When we talk about the financials of of these teams, like like who are we to know what the hell is going on? Like they have you know properties in Wrigleyville, all these built like everything. I don't know how any of that works. So maybe it does in their checkbooks, whatever you want to call it, maybe it makes sense to not spend money, not have enough, not have as much gate revenue, but you're not spending on the team. You still have money coming in elsewhere around the stadium. Like, I don't know, Corey. Which is like, dude, it's, it's so it's, we'll see what they do. And maybe they still do this. As we've said, there's ways to do this, but it's like so far, this just feels very stupid from, from my perspective. They, they could have spent not that much money and like you'd at least loosely be able to look at it and go, yeah, like this team could at least compete in the NL Central. Like not with what they're doing so far though, like not at all. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We're, you know, we're jumping the gun. If, if they don't do anything yet, yeah, then we'll have this discussion, but let's, there's still, Cassianos is out there, KB's out there, Correa's Boy, out there. This guy's Radon. talking about Chris Bryant. I do you guys remember listen, how many times Brendan listen. has like sworn he's not insane or things like that listen. sometimes he admits that he is but sometimes he likes to pretend that he's not he still won't get off of that you know how many times I've texted this man to stop thinking <laughs> that Chris Bryant once, is once gonna come back nine, to this team he won't let it go I swear once 9 30 p.m hits in my brain it's like Chris Bryant comes in the picture I don't, it, I don't know it, how it is happens. not going to happen please stop Please leave me and everybody else alone about this. It's I'm not obsessing not about gonna, it. Keep there was a report it. today, Corey. There was a report today about KB. That, so I, I don't think that was a, like a real report. How do you know? Because it's not going to happen. That's how I know. What if it happens? Though? Oh, listen to this, man. <laughs> Anyway, just be lucky you guys only choose to download this podcast. He has my phone number, so I have to get this stuff directly. Like while I'm laying in bed at night, I'm getting this stuff. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys tomorrow either. uh, You know, if they don't do anything, it'll probably be short, but, but we'll still circle back. 
um, just to kind of close things off. Again, assuming that the lockout does indeed happen and this deadline passes, um, you know, where once there is the lockout, you can't do anything anymore. There's a freeze on everything. So kind of uh, make sure we reset and get a lay of the land as we head into that period of no activity of what the Cubs either did or didn't do. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, like however you feel, I think it's pretty valid at this moment. Um, But we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Cubs-related podcast. And as always, go Cubs.